This is me, Toku, and everyone we know, a podcast about friends watching Japanese science fiction media from uh, Azure to Zerum. I'm Kyle. And I'm Quincy. And Quincy, um, man, I just, I have these trading cards in front of me. I don't know what to do with them. What am I, help me out here. Well, you're in luck, uh, because with the right uh, tools, you can use those to make yourself Ultraman. Tell me more. I thought you needed a beta capsule. What are we watching this week? We're watching Ultraman Orb, which may be my favorite of the Ultraman series. Certainly my favorite of the um, 21st century uh, seasons of Ultraman. I believe we're in the Reiwa period, but I could be wrong about that. I will double check that and maybe edit that out. Um, Go ahead. Continue. So, I think what's important, this is the first modern toku we've watched. And I think the thing that we really need to drill down on is how, um, I'm not sure when it started, but producers of tokusatsu realized that their audience wasn't just seven-year-olds, it was also the mothers of those seven-year-olds. And this show really cashes in, in, in a perfect, palpable way, on having young sexy uh ultraman and yeah and this really drills down <laughs> on both ultraman and uh, the villain uh Juggalus, uh being just like hot dudes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is a uh, a phenomenon that kind of started in the mid to late 90s i want to say the first time i bumped into it was definitely a uh, common writer uh kabuto from the early 2000s so, yeah, I first noticed that with uh, some of the early 2000s Common Rider series. It was uh, an explanation given to me by uh, a pal of mine that was living in Japan at the time teaching English. That uh, What they realized was that the housewives were having to sit down with their kids after school and uh, wanted some eye candy. So they hired male pop idols to start being in Common Riders and just proved popular. Yeah, and, and I have to say uh, it worked for me, too. Because that's why I like this one so much. The other thing that I find really interesting, and I don't know how much of this is just my own like personal headcanon, but there's a lot of um, gay subtext in Ultraman Orb. There's Definitely. a palpable sexual tension between every person in the show and every other person in the show. I don't know that I would say every person, but there's definitely a love polygon between Orb's human self, the villain Jugglers Juggler, and the leader of the, like, fringe newspaper site. Yes, the SSP. Naomi. The something strange people. The something search people. You're right, you're right. Even weirder. <laughs> but yeah, instead yeah. of the special science patrol, it's the something search people that use the same logo, I wish to point out. <laughs> so... The other reason why this show is so great is it is highly referential to the franchise. Mm-hmm. It is the 50th anniversary Ultraman series is why. And Ultra and Ultraman Orb's power is that he takes the powers of previous Ultras and mashes them up uh, Danger Mouse or Glee in the early <laughs> season style and mixes, you know, Ultraman and Ultra 7's powers, or Ultraman um, Taiga and Ultraman Taro's powers. And 
the other thing about this is, you know, most toku is um, toyetic, and this makes it hyper-toyetic because usually this series only gets to sell one Ultraman figure a season, and now there's like eight Ultraman action figures <laughs> because there's all these new combinations. Yeah. It's very much, let's take all the good, meta-textually and literally in the show, it is, let's take all the good parts from the last 50 years of this television program and put them together and see what works right. And what's really cool is the same is done with the monsters in this series. So uh, Juglas can also use the aliens to make himself have combination powers and also summon combination powers. So you get Zetan and Balton, uh, who are very famous ultra aliens. They're in almost every season, and you get them mixed together for like a really crazy robot. <laughs> so you get some of the, not only do you get these new super cool ultra combinations, but you get these, um, alien combinations of fan favorites as well yeah and it's great like the the costume mix-ups are great um the fact that when they transform with a new combination they play a weird like mashup remix of the theme songs from the two different ultra shows that they're referencing um and then thankfully they have an episode guide at the end <laughs> like where like a sailor moon says would go they have this like here's what all this monster stuff and all these ultras are from if I would not recommend this as anyone's first Ultra, but I would recommend this as if you want to get really into Ultra, this is a good gateway. Because um, the after-episode discussions really help uh, explain the 50-year fandom of this show and really help you kind of get a footing to, to understand all those things. Plus, it has very beautiful actors in it. It really does. Um, I just the weird concept of like so the monsters are ancient demon beast kings that are stored in trading cards is a little weird to get past. Um, yeah, the the trading cards specifically, and again, it's toyetic. It's because yeah. they were selling. Ultraman has this um, has this well circle or orb that he puts his cards in and, like, locks them, and that's how he pulls the powers out. So it's really to sell the little trading card holster and the trading card gateway that both um, Gaia and the villain have. And how many of these trading cards packs have you bought so far, Quincy? Um, I have restrained and not bought any. Uh, the action figures, on the other hand, I have a full cart on AliExpress. As we speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I I looked up on eBay some of these cards. There, there's a lot of them because <laughs> these are just like the 50 year Ultraman bubblegum cards. I think like it's just like commemorative series trading cards. The checkout line at Seven Eleven, and they said, okay, let's put them in the show. Let's do this. Find a way to it use these so in our television program. <laughs> I love it. Um, I also love so much the costume design of this show. The fashion is phenomenal. Um, the nerd on the SSP is the most nerd you've seen on television since Steve Urkel. Yes, he's got the, the loudest clothes you could imagine. Um, um, and he always saw how he wrote a dissertation really when he was 12. 
<laughs> the uh, the guy that tries to be the cool dude that dresses like he's a surfer but doesn't know how to surf or do anything other than talk about how much he loves Malibu that writes himself video love letters <laughs> all of Cap's terrible side job costumes are phenomenal yes she works at a cafe so she has to wear really terrible cafe outfits and apparently she works at multiple cafes she is a chronic part-timer so she's like she's doing construction episodes so she gets dressed like a construction worker she works at a maid cafe she works at a hawaiian themed cafe etc etc so it's just an excuse to put the uh, the cute girl on the, on the show in all these different like cute cosplay costumes they i i noticed the male gaze in this show the thing I really notice is every time Cap falls, they definitely rush to show, like, not up her skirts, but the back of her legs a lot. This is, it's a very thigh-obsessed show. Well, because that's what you can do when your audience is, like, seven-year-olds. That's what you're allowed to do. Yeah. I think. Um, guy, ultimate word of human form, is maybe a cowboy, I guess? Like a man-with-no-name type? He plays a harmonica... And he just rides into town on a truck with a cowboy hat. And every time he's sad, he just plays his harmonica. And walks slowly into the sunset, gazing into the middle distance. Um, Juggler is the sharpest dressed toku villain I've ever seen. I'm including Princess Dragon Mom in that equation. He is wearing a perfectly tailored suit. What I really love is the actor that plays Juggler has had multiple piercings, so his ears just have um, dimples from all of his piercings. Uh, <laughs> he's got perfect hair. He's got the very... Um, his voice is the voice that is the voice that everyone makes fun of when they talk about uh, over-the-top yeah. uh, anime voiceovers. Yeah, but it works... Um... He does kung fu fights wearing a three-piece suit, which is worth calling out, I think. Yes, and also has a samurai sword that he somehow <laughs> keeps in that three-piece suit. It's Highlander logic. Yeah. He also... Uh, so the what's great about this um, polygon is not only is Cap sort of tied up between loving the hero and the villain, but the villain is in love with the hero and also cap is in love with not just the human alter ego of ultra but actual ultraman she's in love with ultraman the superhero it's a real lois and clark uh situation it's a real smallville thing going on yeah it's great it's very very good <laughs> um man gosh i love this thing i also like the episode where um the zetan alien shows up for a second to kill Ultraman or because there's an Ultraman on Earth. And that's just what Zetans do is they try to kill Ultramen. <laughs> like, that's really it. They, they get straight up asked, you're not working for Juggler. Why did you attack me? He's like, because I needed to build my rep. You're Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what alien Zetan does. He fights Ultraman. <laughs> oh, man, this show is so weird and good. It's also surprisingly funny. So, like, that is an example of the kind of quality humor. Um, there's a lot of bathhouse shenanigans. Mm -hmm. uh, multiple episodes take place in the neighborhood bathhouse. 
Um, Gaia is Guy is really into uh, candy and ice cream and soda. So oftentimes he is hanging out with a small child, like you know, <laughs> opening his ramen bottle and like uh, also drinking soda and eating popsicles. There's an episode where the alien is a heat wave alien and <laughs> uh, <God>. guy, <laughs> guy goes to put the popsicle in his mouth and it melts before it makes it to him and the double take. Also, yeah. when he transforms, he accidentally uses the popsicle stick instead of his transforming device. <laughs> like, it's it's very good. Very good. Also, Guy is constantly stealing everyone's food out of their fridge when he tries to move in with them. Guy is a bad talk roommate. About Cap's uncle, <laughs> the Barney Fife of the of the Ultra Guard, basically. Yeah, he's actually in the in um, the Earth Protection Force. Yeah, the uh, VTL, which I don't remember what that stands for, but it's the uh, it's this equivalent of the Science Patrol, the Ultra Guard, the whatever, the Monster but Attack he's Team. He's got like the. Uh, the rural beat. He's not yeah. very high ranking. He's he is the Barney Fife of this stuff. Like he shows up to like cordon off, you know, monster footprints or radioactive blobs or whatever. Yells at the hero to hey get away from that radioactive blob and then gets distracted so the hero can turn into Ultraman. Um and and also it's notable that uh he is a relative of Cap who's running this amateur uh, blog. I also need to point out that um, the header logo is the best graphic design I've ever seen. It's chibi cryptids. Mm-hmm. And you it's only can catch good. it in like glimpses. But it's very, very good. Gosh. Yeah, th- there's so much detail and care into this show. And I mean, like, there's a lot of, there's always, you know, attention to detail and weird references you know, they're ultra media in every ultra media but since we're at since it's you know 2016 it was the 50th anniversary they went bananas um i am almost positive almost every bit of set dressing the ssp like dorm room or whatever it is their like loft apartment that they all split is something from one of the old ultra shows everything in that is a it has to be a reference i just can't decode all of it because it's just shelf after shelf of prop. Um, it's, also, it's they drive actually, a Scion XB, um, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're very tiny uh, car, except it's a very fancy car for someone who just has a part time job and two dudes who sleep on the floor of their friend's apartment. And Quince, you've seen more of this than me, so you go ahead and drive the rest of the way. So, this show is not much different from other Ultras, except that it really does lean into that 50th anniversary. Uh, Everything is a reference to everything else. Um, And they're just very, very beautiful people. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm especially excited to talk about the movie So one of the things that the newer Ultra seasons have done is they've had movie events to make an end cap of every season. 
Uh, so I'm very excited to come back and talk about uh, the Ultraman Orb movie because it kind of ties up some loose ends and brings up some really cool uh, references to the rest of the series. Um, the other thing to note is Ultraman Orb has a prequel series that came out uh, after the main series ended because it was so popular as well. Um, Jugless Juggler and Guy were both trying to get the Ultraman Orb power at the same time, and uh, it chose Guy over Juggler, but Juggler got a Consolation Orb, which is used in the show, and then the rest of it is a very Star Wars fantasy-esque. Uh, they both are on the same side. Uh, Juggler falls to the dark side and becomes this villain, even though they were friends. It's It's very... Good. We'll have to talk about it. Love to. Um, to. Yeah. This is just a show. This show is a delight. I. The um, the thing I really enjoyed a lot was the uh, the new effects style they were going. I'm sure they've been doing this for you know years now as well up to this point. But they've done a really good job of mixing, especially in this one, the CG with the old timey you know rubber costumes. Yeah, they're, they're really most... good at matte effects in this. Yeah. There are really great shots where. The foreground is miniatures, while the background is enhanced with effects. The suitmation has um, computer effects to to add to it. Hide uh, the so it's, zippers. It's very um, admirable that even though they have the technology to do a solely CG show they are sticking with their roots and saying like, no, it has to be guys in suits and miniature sets. Yeah. Uh, Even though we've got the ability to digitally, you know, morph and re-edit and recombine these characters, Ultraman still gets huge with the same shot of just staring up at the camera while it zooms in. Um, even though we've got a CG Ultraman instead of a maquette, he flies the exact same perfectly rigid pose. Yes. Um, uh, his light is still an LED on the costume. Yep. It's it's quite good. Um, man. And again, I, I gotta call out all the cool, like, opti- like uh, CG effects or, uh, you know, visual effects, not just the optical effects. They make very good, unique, um, like, ultra attacks that are very clearly mixes of two other ultra attacks. You know, they, they do a, such a great job just making this thing a perfect send-up of the last 50 years of Ultraman. I, I'm on board of just marathoning this. This might just be an Ultraman Orb podcast from here on out, just an episode-by-episode episode guide to this bizarre, beautiful program. It's, it's very wonderful, um, and I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, as for all of the Ultraman uh, seasons we've watched, Mill Creek sent us these Blu-rays, and they knocked it out of the park with this. It's amazing. Um, yeah. It's, it does not have a dub, because the dub does not exist, but I also don't mind, because uh, the subs are very well done. There's never a sense of... It, with a lot of import media, there's sometimes a sense of like a real half-assed job, mm-hmm. and uh, Mill Creek did not do that with this release. They actually put a yeah. lot of effort. They worked directly with Subaraya 
Uh, I highly recommend y'all picking these up from Mill Creek Entertainment. Yeah. Get the Steelbook if you can. That Steelbook spine art when you line it up is gorgeous. Um, I don't know if the new ones... Uh, I believe the original series is in, is in Steelbook. I don't think they're doing releases of Steelbook for the 20... Uh, the 2000s ones, but they are going uh, where they're going to meet in the middle eventually. So they're moving up. I think we're, they're in uh, the 80s Ultramans now, and then they're going backwards yeah. from the uh, 2000s as well. They're going to meet right around Tiga, I think, if I did my math correctly, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. I'm excited. Yeah. Hopefully they'll meet at, like, Heisei Ultraman, which I think is the next thing we're going to watch when we get to Ultra again. Because it's so weird. You know how there's a multiverse, Quincy? Yeah. Yeah. So, due to uh, unforeseen internet problems, we're going to cut this one a wee bit short. But uh, this has been me, Toku, and everyone we know talking about Ultraman Orb. We'll be back in a couple weeks with something completely different once again. Um, I'm thinking some Metal Hero stuff. What do you think about that, Quincy? I love Metal Hero, so I'm very into that. All right. We're going to be back with, uh, let's say, Just Beyond uh, in about two weeks. In the meantime, everyone, um, you can follow us on Twitter, at Tokuino, Instagram, at Tokuino Quincy. If folks want to follow you on the internet, where can they find you? Uh, They can find me uh, posting about my other podcast. Uh, on Instagram at Rank and Vile, and they can follow my co-host's uh, Instagram feed, uh, inst- uh, Twitter feed at Rank and Vilecast on Twitter. And let me tell you, Ryan is doing great work on that Twitter feed. Good golly! All right, so we'll be back in a little while. And in the meantime, everyone, be kind to each other. Thanks for listening to me and Toku and everyone we know. Our show comes out twice a month at tokuwino.cast.rocks. And if I built this correctly, you can also find us on Google, iTunes, and anywhere else that pods are cast. Our intro music is Friendship Blast OK by Ryan Boyd. Make sure to check out Ryan and Quincy's other show, Rank and Vile, at rankandvile.podbean.com. It's a spooky show about scary movies. And we'll see you in two weeks. Gotta see the